high and low, hot and cold, I looked everywhere for what I need, but now I know, now I know, I'm going back to loving me. Hello and welcome to SOS. I am your host, Jennifer Elizabeth Masters. Thank you for joining us tonight. I am so glad you're here, and I am extremely excited to invite a fellow Canadian and a very special guest, Dr. Amanda Fulmer. And Amanda is a 46-year-old mother with a multitude of degrees who holds a degree and a doctor of naturopathic medicine from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto, a bachelor of science in agriculture biotechnology. I hope I can pronounce all of her degrees. Most of her life, Amanda has taken a keen interest in botanical medicine, self-educating on the topic for many years before attaining her formal medical training. And Amanda has sought answers via energetic arts, became a great registered Reiki master, practitioner, and teacher, and has other modalities to her credit as well. And after much scholarly and elegant uh, she is <laughs> training, she is um, a submolecular into submolecular medicine, which is homeopathy. And she was studying in India under, and I hope I can get his, his name correct. Uh, you can correct me later, Amanda. Uh, Rajan Sankaran. She studied with him in India. And then she volunteered for an intensive medical training in nor- or program in, med- in northern India, shadowing cardiologists, obstetricians, Ayurvedic practitioners, and homeopathic doctors alike. Uh, She is also the author of Healing with DMSO. We'll be talking about that, uh, a science-backed guide that will help you understand how DMSO DMSO works, what it's used for, how it works, and the many many ways you can harness harness its power uh, to heal your aches, pains, and other ailments and um, in an easy to read and friendly way. She also owns, and if you've Go to her website. It's delightful. Yum Naturals Emporium in Ontario, Canada, where she designs and produces hundreds of handcrafted all-natural body care remedies and has been doing that since 2012. And Amanda's contact info, she'll be giving you in just a moment. So let's give Dr. Amanda a very warm welcome. Thank you for joining me today, Amanda. Hi. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, having the time and, and sharing truth. And I love all the collaborations lately. It's, it's very exciting times that we're living in right now. You have a, a lot of education behind you and studied, you studied uh, veterinary medicine for a number of years, nearly graduated, right? Well, um, I actually was planning on becoming a veterinarian. And so how it works, if you want to apply, um, you need at least 100 volunteer hours and a whole bunch of other experiences. So you have to check off the the boxes, the tick boxes to even be considered. So um, I had to do a lot of different work, 
different places and have all kinds of vet experiences. And I did all of that and it was very interesting. And I learned obviously a lot. I, I was involved in surgeries and um, the x-rays and all of the, all of the technician uh, tasks. Um, but I wanted to be a holistic vet because my mentor was also a naturopath and an acupuncturist. So I was, ex- when I went, finally got into the interview, um, I was turned away because I wanted to be a holistic veterinarian. And that uh, shocked me considerably. I thought they would be open to the idea, but I was naive back then. I, wow. I really thought people wanted to, you know, grow and change and ever learn and become more natural minded, but it was quite the opposite, but I do have the background and the training. And I just wanted to add as well about the doctor title. I don't claim the doctor title because what happens when you have titles, you are licensed under um, certain colleges. I graduated uh, from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, but there's a different group of uh, a colleges, a group of people, and they have the title of ND and uh, doctor. And I, I do not pay to them and I do not beg to them and I won't be silenced by these groups. So I don't have my licensure at all. I'm not registered with the college and I choose not to be. So just wanted to, to say, even though I have a doctorate, I don't use the title um, doctor. So I wanted to clear that up. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the clarification and um, uh, being one that, uh, that likes to clarify. I, I really appreciate that. There are a lot of things that have happened in past history, and I want to go way, way back to Louis Pasteur. And can you speak a little bit about <laughs> the lies we've been told about him and what an, a fraud he was? Well, yeah, it's uh, the history gets rewritten for those who have agendas, and it's always been that way. And it takes digging and it takes an open mind. And it also takes a level of intuition to really unearth a lot of these truths and this information. Um, But when you look back at the history, I stumbled actually on a book um, that was called Pasteur versus um, Beauchamp. 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 And I also read uh, Pasteur, um, Plagiarist and Fraud by uh, Ethel Douglas Hume. These are um, very older books, and right. they, they're at the time frame where they realized that uh, they were expressing the discontent at this new germ theory and how it was being pushed forward, even though it had failed at, his, at its proofs. Um, and Beauchamp was uh, on the side of the terrain theorists, and uh, Pasteur was a germ theorist. He was pushing the, the medical model that won out ultimately because see good people don't tend to fight dirty, right? Good people go about their day and try to do good works and are humble, uh, not egotistical or boastful. But unfortunately those who are not in that uh, space of kindness and, and love, they uh they do dirty works. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they manipulate and coerce and so forth. And that's what Pasteur was. Um, And he plagiarized Beauchamp's work and he kept two sets of lab notes as well. And so there's a book I'll show you by Gerald Geisen. I have it here. It's a very expensive book to actually purchase because a lot of these books have been made 
hard to purchase uh, um, on purpose to restrict respect people, restrict your uh, funding. And you know, most people aren't aware of that type of thing unless they've gone. Cause I had a client recently search for, I appreciate you saying that I had a client search for a book about tooth decay that was removed. You can't find it. You can see the links. And this is the type of thing that continues to happen is that, you know, it, people will say that something happens to be true because it's cited here, but you can't find the truth there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I apologize for interrupting, but go on. That's okay. I, I yes, it, and it's we're seeing this book, modern day book burning more and more. You don't have to throw the books in a pile and set them alight. You can just restrict them by either making them too expensive to purchase or just uh, re- restrict the sales and the, the amounts of sales. Um, I even had a problem with my own book for a while on Amazon where they were saying that they didn't have the volume or uh, there wasn't any at the printers when there was, and there was a whole thing. And, you know, they play games. Uh, the evil does that. They'll, you know, they'll, um, they're not in integrity. So it doesn't matter. They, they'll do whatever it takes to push their agenda, unfortunately, um, including Pasteur. And uh, in, in this book, it exposes two sets of lab notes. So he had personal lab notes, um, of how he actually ran his studies and what he was finding, and then the ones he published, which were altered very significantly to, you know, show things like rabies exists or vaccines were good or this the vaccine worked, these sorts of things. So massaging the science to uh, prove the end, you know, picture rather than letting the science speak for itself, which in the lab notes, con- they contradict, um, the private lab, lab notes contradict the public. And that's right there, something that needs to be brought to the forefront, because obviously he is given a lot of um, given a lot of kudos, you know, as some sort of hero. And this is what happens. This happens in a lot of um, censorship, right, where you have your hero and the hero is presented a certain way to the people. And if you don't dig deep then you just assume that they've done wonderful things they've created this and these were you know you'll read that in school and you'll learn it and that's the end of that right and you don't why would you question something you went to school you learned it you think you know and therefore you don't question you don't go well did I know for real or were they telling me the truth a lot of people don't do that they assume so that's a very important book at least for a scholar to read it's a little more difficult to read you have to understand how to read certain literature, but it's very eye-opening. Um, and he, you know, played magic tricks just like modern medicine does today. Just because you can magic away a symptom by suppressing it or poison the body in a different direction and blame it on uh, some sort of particle that mysteriously flies through the air, um, it's all smoke and mirrors. But it doesn't hold water when you actually go to the science itself right down to the to the nugget of it the core of it and how we can trace that into how our bodies respond to things it just doesn't work that way and so we really just had a magic show put before us here you you mentioned suppression and i'd like to touch actually i really want to dive into this because um, when people get an infection, let's just say somebody gets a bladder infection and they take an antibiotic or they get a sinus infection and they take an antibiotic, 
is the infection cured? Well, or- they, they never really got it. They made it, right? So their infection it means- Explain that. Made it, it means that what has happened to their bodies is a level of toxicity that's irritated the tissue. So in the sense of, say, a bladder uh, infection, uh, either the pH has been thrown off by stress or diet or other types of toxic factors, like say they're ingesting something that contains a metal like aluminum. Aluminum gets into the bladder, continually causes irritation in the tissues. And when the tissues are irritated, then they will swell because inflammation will be called into the area to actually try to repair the cells. It's a normal function inflammation of the body so that it can remove the damaged tissue, repair tissue that seems like it's salvageable, and if not, uh, destroy that tissue, break it down through different um, inflammatory means and engulfment, and remove it from the area and then uh, rebuild. And that's a process in the body. And our own pleomorphic bacteria, our own lineages of our body are involved in that process. And uh, we are teeming with all sorts of microbes on every level of us. We have more microbes. We actually have 10 times more microbes of our own cells. So 10 times cells, <laughs> more cells of them than, than us. I'm smiling because I actually did research on this. I got the numbers. It's, it's amazing that something like we've got 38 trillion microorganisms and is it, no, is it 38 Three, yeah, 38 trillion microorganisms and 380 trillion viruses in our bodies. Yeah, and there, and all of those, and all of that means is that our body makes particles to repair tissue that carry DNA or RNA into a region to see if it can salvage the nucleus so that it can function properly. If not, the cell will be removed. And all those different viruses are really just. Um, pieces, different subsection of pieces of your own nucleic acid content. So you can basically take the human genome, make all kinds of cuts in in little snippets, put it in a a packet of protein and call it a virus all you want. Um, And you'll have all as many uh, permutations of our own genetic sequence as you will have so-called viruses, including all other animals, all plant life, we'll all have that as well. And that's why it's such a hoax because all they're doing is taking your own genetic material and labeling it as something that you should be scared about or something that's infecting you. But it's a cause and effect mistake because it's not a result um, of a, 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 some sort of virus causing the problem, right? It's actually the body's already in the problem and it calls those particles to the tissue on purpose for the reason of repair or removal. And we're going to find those particles there naturally, uh, just like you would find flies going to garbage, but the flies did not make the garbage. So unfortunately, those who want to manipulate our our minds and drive science and medicine in a profitable direction for their own aims, ensure that we are confused in that cause and effect relationship and make all kinds of gobbledygook scientism papers to make it sound fancy and make it sound like we've got it sorted out. But uh, that's part of the magic show, the magic tricks. 
and that's not how the body works. Uh, and if you take an antibiotic to remove, say, a sinus infection, all you're doing is suppressing it by removing the agents that your own body have uh, used resources to get to the area to try to heal it. And we've again been told that symptoms are bad symptoms because they give pain and suffering that we don't like. Obviously, we don't want to linger in it. But those symptoms are actually expressions of your body healing. So if you take something then that stops the symptoms of your body healing, I think it's a pretty common sense. The thought next thought is that you will not heal. And so what ends up happening is you stop a process. And again, a magic show trick is that it looks like it goes away. So it looks like it cleared up. You now no longer have the symptoms and they get all the credit for getting rid of said problem. When in the underlying tissue, you still have damaged tissue in the area that has not been dealt with. You still have inflammation that's maybe lower level than it was, but it's still present because it's still trying hard to figure it out. And how many times have people, and I've heard this story a thousand times or more, People come to me and say, oh, I took the antibiotics or I took the cortisol cream or I took the drug or whatever. And I was fine for a certain given point in time. And then it came back right. and then I had to do it again. And then it came back and so on until finally that mechanism fails. It won't come back the same way that it did. It will go deeper. It will go into deeper organ systems. And we wonder why we have heart disease rates that where we do and cancer rates where we, we have them. And we have a worsening long-term chronic health problem. Well, it's because we're not allowing healing ever. We continually suppress it um, through a lot of these um, uh, chemical medicine approaches rather than supporting the terrain to complete the process properly in a timely manner. We're talking about the body and the cellular structure and and the body being able to self-heal. What about the mind? How important this is one of the things that i that i that i study deeply um is the mind how how does the mind affect disease how do we end up with disease and is it something that we create through uh, thoughts or fear or what what's your feeling about that well the mind is is everything <laughs> it's everything so um i in fact had someone in the in my store today who told me a story of his life and what had happened. And he had, uh, he was in end stage four cancer. He didn't tell me which cancer. And um, he said that he was in palliative care. Um, And they were saying, you know, you're getting ready to die and this sort of thing. And he was, he was just sitting there realizing something and, and he just got up and he said, no, I'm not ready to die. I'm not interested in dying here anyway. Um, and he just fired the, the doctors who were, you know, eating Big Macs and obese and obviously not the picture of health themselves. Uh, and he left and he walked out and he went home and he started to rest. He said the biggest change he made is he got sleep because how he got in the state in the first place is he was sleep deprived for years and years and years. And one of the things that happens is melatonin production goes down. And melatonin dropping down is one of the openers to a state of cancer in the body. And so he basically slept his way to health and he's standing in my store five years later alive um, because he changed his mind. 
he said, nah, I don't want to die. <laughs> so he didn't. So, so it's can we talk powerful. a little bit about melatonin? Because so, so many of us have got, um, you know, we've got LED lights. When I go to bed, I have to I cover all the lights in the house so that I have complete darkness. But many people are not sleeping in complete darkness and they're not wearing no. eye masks. So what does that do? Well, melatonin is produced um, while you're sleeping, right? So if you are not sleeping in dark, if you're not, so if you have a lot of street lights coming in or uh, night lights or any type of little, those LED lights, or you sleep, God forbid, near your phone or any of these things, you're not going to produce the melatonin in the brain. Um, that is a, a specific hormone. It ha- does a lot of re- regulation of your sleep cycle. Um, right. it's, a po- it's involved with your pineal gland. It's made in your pineal gland. Um, and yeah. depression. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, if you just turn off the lights, uh, I usually even unplug any electrical outlets near to your field because um, that can affect your, your level of depth of sleep and uh, try to get enough sleep and have good sleep hygiene, which means you go to bed at a decent hour, uh, which I know is hard for a lot of us to do, especially if you have a lot of screen time, you're not stimulated into sleep properly. You're still, you know, got a lot of blue light on the eyes and so forth. So, um, or you can also take supplements. I do sometimes bump up my melatonin with a supplement um, to, to help me if I haven't been sleeping well enough or deep enough to ensure that I I have enough production in my body, but it's, of course, it can lead to all kinds of detrimental situations. If you're missing any key nutrient in the body or, or underproducing something in the body, then you're going to have an imbalance and that will catch up with you eventually. But interesting that that gentleman cured his cancer with rest. Yeah. With sleep. Yeah. It was amazing that he stood there and told me that. And, and yet, you know, I've had many stories like that where, or the opposite, where they've done everything possible that they could to heal. I mean, literally everything they could do, and but they can't get to that emotional work. They can't forgive or they can't get through some part in their mental, emotional body. And so it doesn't matter what they do at that point. So it's, it's vital. It's vital, absolutely. And, and without the deep sleep, the body doesn't heal. It's, it's no. part of the, the healing process, the sleep. So yeah, exactly the suppression, the suppression of um, disease, like with, with an antibiotic or with some sort of pill. Um, and then the recurrence creates a, a bigger problem. Yes. And well, think about, you know, what you're doing, right? You're, you're killing a part of yourself that was trying to help you. So that has repercussions on the body. Inflammation is something that people are constantly trying to get rid of. And you're saying that inflammation is part of the healing process. It's, it's part of the natural ecology, right, of the body. Right. So there's two different ways to understand inflammation. There's the short-term inflammation that's available as a healing um, modality, right? For your body to actually do the work and move things in and out between cells. And then there's chronic inflammation, which can 
uh, just continually break down tissues, make ulcers and sorts of things and not allow for the healing to complete. Um, and that's where people, they're all the anti-inflammatories and so forth, where you use those to try to calm down the internal fires while you build up the body again into its nutritional status, its biochemistry is, you know, available to it. And then you can leave off on the anti-inflammatories and let the inflammation process complete itself. So it's like a, a stuck inflammation is, is when it's in a chronic state and that can uh, cause lots of problems. Um, and, and usually I see uh, liver issues uh, in most people anyway, generally most of the disease states uh, that are common to our modern era, modern world are stress-related. And so gut, uh, pancreas, liver, all of the main digestive organs are just being beaten by poor eating and stress, uh, lack of exercise, improper sleep, um, not, uh, you know, all the mental health challenges and emotional health issues. That's really what's plaguing us, not some sort of invisible particle that's threatening us, the threats, right, in, in, in our control. Um, and, and it's really all about lifestyle factors and how you, what you put in your mouth and, and what you don't put in your mouth. <laughs> Which leads me to testing. And my, my guides, my daughter tested positive and she had a migraine for five days. She had, she had no symptoms whatsoever, but a migraine for five days. And they insisted that she, she went to get something for the migraine and they insisted on a test and blew off the migraine and uh, she tested positive, of course, but I want to talk to you about that and, and what Carrie, I don't know if the two are related because I don't have the scientific mind you do. So if you could explain the testing, but I just want to go on to say, my daughter has a boyfriend. She sleeps with him. She slept with me actually when she stayed here and then went home and none of the six of us got it, got anything. So mm-hmm. I, I just wonder if, you know, what, what is your, what is your vision here about what's going on with the testing? Hmm. Well, you didn't get it because there's nothing to get. Um, even the contagion theory is bunk. There's some wonderful books you can read about the contagion myth. Um, what we really have is a disease of logic, lack of logic, uh, lack of clear thinking. We have a disease, the whole of humanity right now is under deep mind control. That's the, that's the real plague. Well, that I see, um, but I know I'm going to play the devil's ad, advocate because I've had this conversation with many people and they say, yes, but I all, you know, I've had all these friends that have been sick with it. So what is it that they are getting then? It's, it's interesting how, again, I find fascinating about the human mind, how limited uh, the thinking is that you can't take it a step further and contemplate perhaps that they're mislabeling the common flu, uh, which is what they're doing. So every year we have flu, uh, which is a a seasonal detox. That's all it is. It's not caused by any kind of particle. It's your own body that you trashed all year. And then you get triggers, you get triggers, and the symptoms come to make mucus to remove the waste from the body to keep you alive. triggers? Triggers such as change in moisture levels in the atmosphere, change of hyperbaric, like, I mean, uh, barometric pressure, uh, uh, hormone signals. So different hormone signals, even cyclical signals, 
uh, in say female bodies that can be a trigger. Say you uh, had a, a, a stressful month and then you got your period and then you get sick, right? It's because the you don't have enough resources in that time frame to actually detox properly through the liver. The liver is being used now for the menses. And so now it's like, well, let's get the toxins out through the lungs or the skin because uh, it's we cannot have it in the blood. It must not be in the blood and the lymph is too full. So then you'll be get you'll get sick, right? Um, so really, it's just the body having to shuffle around a bunch of toxins that have gotten into your body by poor lifestyle factors uh, has nothing to do with some sort of mysterious particle. And what's also interesting is triggers can be done in groups. So say you live in the same household, you eat the same foods, you have similar emotional situations. There's all kinds of ways to relate how somebody would get some sort of something. Uh, but again, it's the watch the language that we're taught that you catch it, that you get it, that it comes from some mysterious, superstitious external area that it's like no one is, is self-aware enough to be um, culpable. Nobody wants the culpability. Nobody wants to accept the fact that it's their own behaviors that are causing them to have a flu or not flu. Do you think I get the flu? No, I will never get the flu. I do coffee enemas. I detox my body regularly. I don't eat junk. I don't poison myself with alcohol. I don't do self-harm. I won't self-harm wearing a mask either, which causes disease. So those are the, the behaviors that you have full control over. But this is a, a challenge to us to be empowered into yeah. integrity. That's what this is. Now, just to answer your question about the PCR situation, PCR is not a test. It's a technique. It was developed by Dr. Carrie Mullis as a technique to grow up DNA or RNA to be used for laboratory purposes. Yeah. It was utilized to in the HIV AIDS hoax to uh, blow up particles of DNA of somebody's own DNA to blame that again on some sort of faux disease and uh, to manipulate populations, to drug them to oblivion, um, all kinds of political reasons. That's, a, that's why they love this particular technique uh, because they can make anybody have the disease that they want. All they need are nucleic acid sequences that match D DNA in the human body or any DNA sequence that will match close enough then they can use 40 cycles, which should never be used, but that's what they're using for this particular, this situation that we're dealing with here. And, you know, they ran a PCR technique on a pawpaw and motor oil, blank tests, and they all come up positive. It's irrelevant. The entire testing uh, procedure is irrelevant and should never have been used in the first place. But that's how they get the ticker tape numbers going. So everybody that's glued to their television hypnotic box is programming themselves to believe the lies. And so when somebody says, I got a so-and-so who died from, from this, this pretend disease uh, that's stuck in their head and they can't seem to think, oh, wait, wait a second. Maybe they just have the flu or maybe they have atypical pneumonia or maybe they have heart disease or maybe they have a, a, a lung infection from some other reason. And they are testing positive because they have inflammatory particles in their body that's causing um, that's causing that to test to grab that piece of their own particles that again come into areas for repair. That's all they're grabbing, and it's it's commonly found in the lung. This is a type of nucleic acid sequence that's used to repair DNA of the lung. That's it. 
and it, and it just boggles my mind that people can't take that thought to the next step. And another thing I just want to mention that blows my mind, uh, that is the most unscientific thing I've ever heard, and this is what's promulgated by scientism, the cult of, of medicine, is the whole titer test and, and the whole idea of immunity. Uh, they, they're testing people sometimes with the blood, right? They're looking for antibodies, for example. Right. And they'll find, oh, you have uh, an antibody to this, this so-called virus, right? And what they're doing is there's healthy people showing up with no symptoms and they're testing them. And they're saying if they find the antibody in their blood, they're saying that they have the disease. They say they're causing, they're adding it to the infection numbers. Okay. They're saying these people have it. So they have no symptoms whatsoever. No No symptoms. symptoms. And even if they do have symptoms, what I'm going to say next, it, it, it will, it should really bring a light bulb on over your head. So say you go in and you want to, you ask, hey, I, I would like to know if I'm immune to this. This is now under the false germ theory. It's all, it's not how the body works at all. Uh, antibodies are basically shuttling of packets that move the toxins, help the removal process and the tagging process of the toxins to get them out of the body. That's all it is. Uh, if you have circulating antibodies through your body, your, your body's um, not detoxing properly. You clean up and detox, you'll lose your titers. Um, so now you go in, you say, I'd like to see if I'm immune. And this is the whole vaccine scam, right? Oh, you've got the vaccine, you come in, we take the titer, we're gonna look to see if you've made antibodies. And then they tell you, yes, we found antibodies in your blood. You're immune, you're protected. So it's the same test it's the same test, but one, depending on what they want you to want out of that, right. will say you're either infect the result, they'll say you're either infected or you're protected. But that's, I hope people can understand how I, absolutely. I don't, I don't think people we, can understand. That's the, that's the issue is that there, there's so much confounding and, and misinformation. I mean, even if you go back uh, we heard Fauci early on say a mask will not protect you. And I want to talk to you about that because a virus is too small and a mask, right? It could go through the mask anyway, both sides, both ways. True. Oh yeah. If you believe in, in that causing an infection, uh, the nano size, it's like a, a mosquito. You put up a, a chain link fence to stop mosquitoes. That's right. basically your size differential. Uh, it's irrelevant as far as protecting from these particles. And what a lot of people will say when I say that is, well, we're trying to stop, um, say, a uh, phlegm transfer, which is which spitting, which would contain them, but it's a larger particle. And I don't remember ever going out and being spat upon per <laughs> se in my whole life. I'm trying to remember if I've ever... <laughs> gotten that close to someone where they've actually either sneezed in my face or I don't know. I just don't well, remember I, I phlegm. Had, I've had conversations with people that were really vehement about what they were expressing and they, you know, they may have accidentally spit, but it, you know, it doesn't happen very often. Well, it's amazing that you're here to tell the tale. Really. Um, <laughs> Look at me. I'm so ill. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so I understand because 
The issue is that when you're in a cult, you will always make an excuse for the lie, right? So the mind will always try to concoct an excuse for why that might be completely illogical, not scientifically backed, absolutely absurd, confusing, you know, information doesn't matter when you're hypnotized into the cult think you make the excuse no matter how nutty and out and insane, literally insane. I I used to do that with men, Amanda. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I used to make excuses for them and marry them anyway. Yes. It's the same, it's the same theory, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it comes you explain it away and it's really a part of our, it's an ego problem trying to pr- preserve and protect the ego into, you know, whatever the injury is to the ego, like, you know, trying to feel that you're correct, that you don't make mistakes because most of us as children got punished if we made mistakes right. and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So there's a, again, coming back to the mind as being the real uh, virus here. Yeah. I, I really like to dive into homeopathy and uh, I appreciate the depth that, that you're willing to go. Thank you for that. Um, can, can you, the way I explain homeopathy, it's basically the hair of the dog that bit you. It's like in a small, a very small amount. I mean, I rec- recognize that simplifying, but what is homeopathy? Well, there's, you can explain it in a few different ways, just like when you have something uh, quite sophisticated, you can, uh, and you're trying yet abstract. So you're trying to explain something that actually we've not been allowed to study properly. That's the, the shocking part about it. It's been so attacked and suppressed and destroyed and uh, the people who have made scientific leaps in homeopathy, their careers are ruined, uh, they're slandered, they're, you know, their labs are shut down. So unfortunately, we've been limited in some of the ways that it should be tested because, uh, again, the medical cult, they have a very strict uh, and only one road of testing, the double-blind placebo-controlled test. And they have their gold standard. And if it doesn't pass its gold standard, uh, then forget it. It's not, it's, it's garbage. And that's again, um, the way that bullies make sure that nobody, nobody else can play on their, on their field. Uh, they don't, uh, they discount individualized medicine and, and homeopathy is as individual as it gets. Um, I usually explain it um, from an energetic perspective, depending on who, where my audience is, because it's, it's really about understanding hair of the dog that bit you um can work as an explanation for some of the levels of of the medicine that actually contain the particles of the very substance but past uh, 30 ch you are you've gone over avogadro's molecular number which means that there's no actual substance remaining original substance remaining in the medicine um and so you what have to understand 30 ch referred to um, 30 is the cycles of repeating that it's gone into its dilutions and C uh, stands for Senta or basically it's, it's a Latin for 100. So basically one drop in 99 drops and H is the Hahnemann method. So it's a method in which it is done because there's a, there's a Corsica 
Korsakoff method as well. So that's the K method. So you have to, sometimes you'll see with a K and sometimes you'll see with a, an H or CH. Um, it, that's all that means. And so they're all dilution factors and how they're actually um, broken down. So 30, you take one drop in 99 drops and you succuss it um, in a very specific manner. And you do that um, usually about a hundred times and then you go to the next dilution. And so you do that 30, uh, one in 99, 30 rotations, succussing a hundred times. Uh, now they have machines that do it, but it used to be a leather bound Bible that was used back in the day. Could you imagine really? Really? the work? <laughs> mm -hmm. Holy cow. So it, what it seems to me and, and in my pea brain, I'm, I'm explaining it. So in other words, it's, it's a minuscule amount of something as opposed to when we take an antibiotic it's like taking a sledgehammer to right to fix mm -hmm. the problem where homeopathy is the opposite it's like a presentation to the body as a suggestion rather than a gun to the head that's right okay. that's the difference and so the submolecular aspect is when the succussion is occurring water is a very special substance and uh, water will actually create a certain type of situation around the original molecule. And once that is created, even though the substance is removed from that, uh, say, a tetet of water, so 10 molecules of water surrounding a substance, it will remember the substance without it having been, with it being removed. So in other words, you don't right. consume it. So I, I have a sick cat. And I put a little pellet in the big bowl of water. And I've noticed a difference in just a couple of days. Or That's right. Because the water, all of the water in that uh, bowl will talk to the other. So once that dissolves and the water starts to change, like when freezing happens, right? It starts in one point and then the freezing takes over the water. It's the same thing with the homeopathic. So all the water will become that of that shape of that homeopathic. So it doesn't matter the dosing. It kind of reminds me of um, um, trying to, um, Dr. Emoto with the water. And I have this poster right behind me. <laughs> I can't see it. See it. Oh. Well, it says, we are one, we are love. And it's oh. basically her. Uh, it's oh. basically one of his water crystals. Oh, I see, oh, I see it. It's thank you. Um, I got to meet him, which was really lovely. You? And um, yeah, he is a beautiful man, really beautiful man. I, I really enjoyed his work. So do, let's just talk about that for a second. So Dr. Emoto studied water and he Im would imbue the water with a different word. And he, and he played, he played rap music and, and the water and then freeze and, and uh, imbued the water with love. And, um, and then he took, crystals like froze it right and and it would be distorted if if it was a yes. like a, a negative emotion yes and what's amazing is is we're just really trying to hold on to the knowledge that we've lost and that is the of the holographic nature of our reality and uh the blood will do it the blood will hold memory um water will hold memory um, water will respond and change shape accordingly, depending on what ex it's exposed to, whether it's emotion, whether it's words, it doesn't matter. 
and you can do tests. You can do your own home tests. You can take rice. There's an experiment that Emoto talked about where you can take two sets of same rice. So you make the rice, you put it in two perfectly same jars. And with one, you tell it that you love it and it's beautiful and it's perfect and it's amazing. And the other, you say you hate it and you wish it would die and all these things. And the, the one you, you put all this negativity into will rot very quickly and mold very quickly while the one that you've given love words to uh, will remain um, pure and without mold, right? So obviously you can do this at home and, and test that out. So again, it takes, it seems to take a while to get to the elegance, to the simplicity of this world, of this realm. And we, we make drama and complications with the ego until we refine ourselves and go through our karma and purge all of that. And I think what's happening, I feel on mass right now is just this big karmic purge and also an invitation. Are you ready to become an adult soul now from your adolescent place? And so I think it's a, a big offering to people so in a way, it, I'm grateful for the absurdity of the insanity of everything, because I believe it's the only way for the masses to break out of the illusion um, or to give them a chance to break out of the illusion. Right. Um, you know, you were talking about um, the imbuing with with um, Dr. Emoto and the elegance of it and and the work that I do. And in what I did for myself, I had fibromyalgia, Epstein-Barr. I mean, I, you name it. I had a litany of things wrong with me and lots of uh, trauma in my childhood. And, and so I shifted and I started thinking different thoughts. And I, uh, when I started telling myself I loved myself, and, and it took some time. It didn't happen overnight. And I had to be consistent with it. Um, all of those things just dematerialized. And I, I would like to speak about cancer in, specifically and about how we could heal cancer. If, if we are uh, focused on other people and worried about what they think of us or trying to make others happy, um, you know, women are, are really good at doing these things, right? Um, uh, giving too much to other people and then not enough to themselves. So how could we shift our, our thoughts to be, you know, healing ourselves from something such as cancer. I, I recognize it's the same, doesn't matter what the disease is, but I'd like to hear it from you. Well, we have to remember the gut mind, the gut mind. We have just as many neurons in our gut as we do in our brain. And when we do things that are improper to our guts, our mind is in imbalance. And when our mind is in imbalance, then obviously we're going to have challenges with having cl clarity of thought and when we have discordant thinking we create chaos in our world we create chaos in our bodies we create cancer cells and we create disease states because we are actually telling ourselves that we can't cope with our reality and we're not even connected or grounded with our reality so um, I see a lot of um, in German new medicine for example it's well mapped the different mind emotional states and uh, cancers and other disease states in the body, um, which I don't think is a perfect um, healing art, but that's fine. And you know what, if you are someone who has discernment, you know how to sift through information and 
find the gems and polish them off and leave all else. And why do you have to judge it? Cause it's not perfect. Are you perfect? No, we're not. Yeah. Nothing in this world is perfect. Right. So find, find the gold and find the things that help you to shine and help you learn. Right. But when our mind is off like that, and also when we hate ourselves or when we berate ourselves, so therefore we are not in self-love and we give uh, to others or we focus on the other, really, it's just a, um, a violation of the self. It's a denial of the self. Um, it's a denial of the work that's required to go into the pain, to the pain body, and to actually dissolve that. It's an avoidance tactic. And so, of course, if you avoid yourself, disease comes, right? Um, so if you get your gut right, I always suggest people to focus on the gut and make sure that's in a good place. If you have to fast, then fast um, and get your mind in a good place and then begin the shift from there. Um, so you can heal from any disease if you are able to get a hold of the mind. And if you drug the self, uh, then of course the mind cannot be clear and then you'll make mistakes or you'll have a repercussion. Uh, you'll have a day that seems clear and good. And then you might have a day where it's shrouded and cloudy or you're angry or you have an expression of emotion and that causes more chaos in your life. And, you know, I'll always see if I'm, if I'm off or my hormones are off or something's not quite right. I always create distortions in my reality and I, I'll get the repercussion right away. I'll see a problem come up or something will break or something happens that shouldn't, shouldn't have happened. Right. But if I'm in the dog or the cat, <laughs> yeah, I'll, whatever, you know, whatever it might be or however it comes out. But um, if you're, it's, t- it's difficult because if you are uh, more of an empath and you're sensitive and you pick up on other things, it can be very challenging because you're not sure what you're feeling or why or whose it is. And so that's a whole other issue for, for those who are empaths or sensitive. Um, and those types of people are, you know, I'm that, that way, tend to overgive or focus on the other. We're healer types, we're musician types, we're the ones that really touch this this world quite, um, and it can be a very delicate for us. And so we have to sort of get boundaries, right? And what is cancer? Cancer is like a breach of boundary. So, um, so I say to a lot of women who say breast cancer, um, I'll say, you have to ask for help. So what this is making you do is you have to surrender and you have to ask someone for help and you have to be selfish for once. You have to do something about you for you, specifically for you and nobody else. It doesn't benefit anybody else. It's it. You can call it what you want, but it's about you. It's for you, right? And that's what starts to turn around their dysfunction um, and gets the healing on the right path because then they're going to have to do a lot of work for themselves at that point. And asking for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. And, and, Correct. and so many of us think that it's a sign of weakness. So I, I love yeah. your explanation. Um, you know, normally I do a, a little, a little um, wrap up of all the things that are bullshit. And um, so I, I would like to say that, that the biggest thing that I see from all of this is and the biggest bullshit is that we're not trusting ourselves. And I feel like we all need to really trust our, get our gut in order. Um, We need to trust ourselves. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to share before we, um, we close and send our love out to everyone? Well, I think 
what's important is that we uh, stand up for ourselves, that it's, it's an invitation to stand in not only in your integrity, but in what you know is to be right, what you know is correct, um, and to protect the children and to protect those who are innocent, who do not know. That's why I take the, I take the hits, I take the attacks, I take the name calling and the death threats and all the things that have come my way for my work and standing up for truth and, and being brave and not being afraid to say things that are censored and, and uh, that other people may not like because it threatens their, their weak egos and their belief systems. But um, I'll take that because my, my role as a warrior is to stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. Think of all the elders in these homes that are locked away. They don't have the voice. They don't have any, anybody standing up for them. So those of us who are speaking out speak for these people and for our future and so they can throw the, the, the slander and the crap all they want, but it's not going to stop people who are in their truth and integrity. And the more that we get brave to that and stand up and say no more, you can't do that to us anymore. We, we are free beings and we choose freedom. We choose our sovereignty. Then that, that is really the success that awaits us. Um, and the more that do this, it will be glorious. Absolutely. The most beautiful the most beautiful existence we could even imagine. We don't even have the imaginative capacity, I think, for what we can create together. Limitless. Limitless. Absolutely. And so I think we're being tested. We're the ones with the power. We're the ones who have the power of the word and the deed. And we're being manipulated to do their dirty deeds. And those of us who say no more are the ones who will get their voice and have their minds back and be able to, to stand up in their integrity and graduate into their mature soul adulthood, which I'm excited for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amanda. I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us and, and to cover all of these very important subjects. And uh, thank you so much for being here. The thing I want to end with, and I'm so glad you brought up sovereignty we are all sovereign beings. And if we allow others to think for us, to make decisions for us, to take over the responsibility for our health, our welfare, and our happiness, we will have no rights at all. And so as sovereign beings, I highly recommend you turn off the televisions and get away from the social media as much as possible. Be out in nature more and and we all need one another we need community it's been so nice to talk to a human face to face thank you so much for being here amanda um thank you for joining us and everyone stay safe but be sovereign think for yourself and trust yes yes i used to i like to say stay free someone says stay safe i say stay free (laughs) all right thank you thanks jennifer Thank Good you. Good night, everyone. I'm going back to love and